Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with Darian Kosravi, aka Cosmo from Cosmos Q, who took his last $500 and turned it into a $50 million US dollar a year business. Names in barbecue don't get much bigger than this. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Darian, welcome to the confessional, my friend. This is a huge honor. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. So th- this is what I love about you. You sound completely surprised that I, that I uh, gave you that introduction, and yet you've done so many amazing things. You're just so humble about all your success. It's beautiful. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I always kick things off with the same couple of questions. What was the last thing that you barbecued? Um, I did fish the other day. I did uh, a really sweet breakfast sandwich. Ooh. I did steak with bacon wrapped asparagus. Oh my gosh, what um what what was the other one I did? I can't remember. They just it's just it's just always happening, so Yeah, yeah. Well we're we're recording this on, on Good Friday here in Australia. So let's talk about the fish, because fish is on the menu here in the house today. Tell us how you did that fish. I fried that. <laughs> it was catfish. So we fried that. That's that's what we do here in Oklahoma. We like to fry stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, I have done a, a little bit of traveling through Oklahoma, Arkansas, and uh, after a while I ended up just, just needing a steak and a salad. And I went to a restaurant and said, hey, listen, can you just do me a steak and a salad? They said, yeah, no worries. And it came out as a country fried steak. <laughs> like a, de- <laughs> a deep fried battered steak. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so funny you... You bring that up. We were actually talking about that in our company meeting today. Country fried steak versus chicken fried steak. There's actually a difference, and most people don't know that. What is the difference? Uh, Chicken fried steak is where they fry it, put it on a plate with white gravy. Country fried steak is where they usually, um, it's just got a flour uh, coating, and then they pan fry it, remove it, saute some onions, make a brown gravy, and then put the steak back in it and then finish the steak in the gravy oh okay all right well this had a crunchy outside so i think it might have been chicken fried rather than country fried that was that was that was chicken fried ah there you go interesting now what is uh i mean you've got obviously access to a wide range of different barbecues and cookers what's your favorite barbecue to go to like what's on your back porch when you decide you want to cook something for dinner on my back porch, immediately out my back door is a Weber performer and a pit barrel. Oh, there you go. Now, okay. If you move to my outdoor kitchen where we shoot our YouTube at now, there is a master belt gravity fed, a Traeger pellet grill, and then I have a, 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 a in the I call it in the counter unit. Um, a nice big, uh, it's a, it's a pellet, uh, cooker as well. Uh, also out there is my Jambo and my, um, uh, 
my cook shack. And next week I'm taking delivery of a brand new cooker that is going to set on our patio out there. That is, it's super sweet, super sweet. Can you tell us what that is? Or is that a secret yet to be revealed? Um, no one knows about it yet. And I believe, uh, your audience will hear this live for what the next couple of hours and then it'll come down. And then by the time you release it, uh, it'll be our new, uh, CTO from Old Hickory. Ah, very good. Uh, very good smokers indeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're phenomenal cookers. Yeah. 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 Now, there's a lot of us here in Australia who are starting to get more and more into making barbecues and uh, barbecue videos and things like that. Tell us a bit about your, mm-hmm. your home YouTube studio. Uh, oh, well. Well, it, it, at first it just started with me and my uh, Weber and my pit barrel and just whatever, you know, whatever cooker we drug up. Uh, but since then we have built a set back there that um that we use quite a bit uh we transitioned most of the videos are shot at our storefront location in oklahoma city but the new videos will be all shot out here very nice and what uh, what sort of gear are you using in terms of cameras and microphones and all that sort of stuff is it like a full-scale production two two yeah, camera it's... guys a guy with a boom mic and yeah yeah, we we have we have the the full shoot match out here. We uh we run on 6K cameras um which is a, a bit overkill, but you know, you can uh inside of a 6K, you can you can do a lot of positioning uh in in the frame. So it it, it it's actually pretty cool. I don't want to bore people with all that that camera jargon, but uh uh, I started on a Canon G7X. I transitioned to Canon 90Ds, or I'm sorry, 80Ds. Uh, then I moved to Canon 5D Mark IVs. Nice one. And then uh, now, uh, oh, then I went from there to Sony. Uh, uh, God, what is a Sony's? It's like an A7 or something. Is A7S, yeah. Yep. Sony A7Ss, yep. And yeah, now very nice. on, I think I, I think they I think they run Black Magics now. Yeah, Black Magic is like cinema grade type cameras. I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing those videos. That's going to be impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And for for viewers or listeners who are not uh, uh, sort of into cameras, shooting in 4K or 6K uh, lets you basically chop out a 1080p section. So you don't, exactly. you're, you're effectively zooming in without blowing up the pixels. So you end up with a, exactly. with a high quality uh, zoom in, just gives you more options. So beautiful, man. Beautiful. Now, um, Cosmos Q is such a huge operation. So for this interview, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to sort of break it into bits and address each, each bit at a time. So I, I thought we might start off with a bit of history. Now, I was reading through your bio. You're born and raised in Oklahoma, which is not, it's not a famous barbecue state. It's, you know, like when we talk about barbecue, we, we usually think about Texas or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, like the, the, North, the Carolinas. Kansas City. Yeah, the Carolinas. City, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So was your family into barbecue? Was that how you got into it? Were you born into it? Or um, uh, and have I misunderstood Oklahoma? Uh. 
No, I wasn't born into it. Um, I did have to learn on my own. Uh, but I do remember uh, when I was young, it, it would be like a ritual if we had a barbecue, you know. And I just remember like the food was just s so different than what we ate normally um, and just so much better, you know. Just like when you barbecue something, it, it's just it's, it's lights out, hands different, better than something, you know, uh, don't get me wrong, pan seared steaks, you can make them very good. But we grew up very, uh, very poor. So the, the steak that we was getting <laughs> usually had to be cooked in gravy or tomato sauce or something like that just to make it edible. Fair enough. The, uh, the, the pounded out flat steaks with the big meat mallet mm -hmm. so it goes further, all that sort of stuff. I, mm -hmm. I grew up on that as well, yeah. Yep. Now, I, I did read that you were a, a Burns victim as a child. And so I, it, what drew you back to working in, in hot kitchens? Because you also said that your first job was, was, was working in a kitchen. I, I wouldn't have thought that would be attractive after spending so much time in a Burns ward. Well, I was burned when I was 17 months old. So oh, wow. Okay. Effectively, my entire life, like, this is all I've known. This is normal to me. Yep. Um, what brought me, my very first job was actually at a, uh, um, at a barbecue joint. And I don't know if it's a barbecue joint so much, but we had barbecue there. And it, we actually, uh, I ran the, the barbecue line. So I uh, loaded the meat on the, the, the oiler and cooked the meat. I prepped the meat, cooked the meat. And then uh, when we did evening service, I, you know, I ran that line. So I would be the guy cutting the meat and, you know, getting it on the plate and stuff. So um, what drew me to that was money. <laughs> 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 I've, uh, once I found out you could make money like that, I think I was, when I, when I started there, I was 14 years old. So I just wow. got my license uh, and back then here you could get your motorcycle license at 13 and a half and by 14 you could have your full blown license so man i was i was mobile at 14 so if i could make money man i was all about it yeah right and is that on two wheels or is that with like driving cars as two well wheels. two nope, wheels no nope, that's on two wheels oh wow yeah yeah you got to be uh 16 and 9 months i think it is here to get a to get your first learner's license for a motorcycle hmm yeah. Big difference there, yeah. And Big so, how difference. did you, how did you find that um, working in that in that barbecue restaurant? Because I mean, you were the basically the whole meat process guy from prepping it to to cutting it. And from from what I'm told, cutting in the barbecue joint is the most important job. So how how did you uh, how did you enjoy it? How did you like it? I loved it. I could eat whatever I wanted. <laughs> and growing up like we did, we didn't have access to food like this so man i loved it i you know i was eating barbecue all the time yeah that's a that's a win by anyone's uh standards now after that job legend has it that you actually drove a hazardous waste truck in order to save mm -hmm. money to buy your first smoker so what was that smoker and how long was it until you started competing um, it wasn't very long, actually. I, uh, my wife and I, 
uh, we had a very young family and, uh, we was like, okay, it's time to settle down. So, uh, I didn't, we didn't go out on Friday nights. We, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I, I just, I thought, well, man, I'll just get into smoking meat. And, uh, I went to Walmart and bought a $50 cooker. And the first time I tried it was absolutely disastrous. <laughs> I mean, it what was, happened? I'll never forget, man, this, this cooker had, didn't have an intake or an, uh, or an exhaust. And I, I don't even know how they sold these back in the day, but, um, I'll never forget my wife holding the trash can open as I threw all this meat in the trash can. <laughs> and there was just, there was just, it, it lit something in me, you know, as a, how I'm wired was like, Oh my gosh, you can't even provide a meal for your family. Mm. And I was just like, this will never happen again, ever. And uh, I just started learning. And this was, this was, you know, I think, you know, Facebook may have been going, but there was really no such thing as e-com. Uh, I think there was eBay and Amazon may have been selling books at the time. YouTube wasn't even invented yet. So uh, I just had to learn the hard way. And I remember watching, I, I would try to like, there was a, I can't remember if it was on Food Network or one of the channels. They did a show about following some competition barbecue people around. And I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like so much fun. And back then it was, you know, a way smaller than it is now. But I was like, man, I would love to do that. So I just got on the internet and found that they had a barbecue event, you know, probably just 30 minutes from my house later that summer. So I just threw my name in the hat and entered it and went and competed, man. And how was that first comp? How'd you go? Uh, it was exhausting, man. I, I, <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. I showed up in a, you know, in a minivan with a, uh, a borrowed trailer. Uh, and I say trailer, it was like a lawnmower trailer. Um, and just cooked out of the tent, stayed up for 48 hours straight. But the crazy thing was, is I ended up winning the rib division. Wow. Which your first ever shot, comp. Shot me. First ever comp. I won ribs and I was just ecstatic. And, uh, that's when I was hooked. I was, I mean, it, that's where it all started. Uh, that's the first time, uh, I met Johnny Trigg. So that was, oh my gosh, that's almost going on 20 years ago. Wow. And, uh, so yeah, I, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. Yeah. Tell me what was Johnny like 20 years ago? I met him in, in 2019 and he has that, that kind of that old school gravitas of what it must be like when you meet Clint Eastwood for the first time. That was, uh, that was my impression when I met him. Uh, I, I called him sir every time I spoke to him. So what, what was he like 20 <laughs> years ago when you met him? Uh, he was, he was, he was the exact same. He was the exact same. <laughs> I, I remember walking over to him and, uh, and I was looking at his pit and he, he looked at me and said, don't touch that pit boy. You can't afford it. <laughs> So, yeah, and he was right. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds like Johnny. And uh, how the world has changed. You could probably buy about 100 of his pits now. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Very true. Yeah, yeah. So you you grew from that uh, very first win of of pork ribs, and you you also uh, built you built all the way up to winning a world championship. What was that journey like between winning that first trophy and then getting the biggest trophy? It was uh, it was long, tedious, um, but needed to be done because I made that trick back then. No one would teach you anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was, everybody was locked lips at a competition. There was maybe one or two classes that somebody would do once a year. And that was it, you know, and I still didn't go to classes. I couldn't afford them, you know? So it, it it was a long, tedious journey, but like I said, much needed. And, 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 you know, now looking at it today, you could decide on, you know, one month that you wanted to compete in barbecue, go to some classes that same month and be competing the next month and, you know, be right up there with the big dogs because you got all the secrets. But you still have to, you still have to understand, you know, what to do when things go off the rail, so to speak, you know, and learning what meat uh, actually felt like and acted like uh, in order when it was done, if that makes any sense. I try to, I try to explain to people like how, how to use a toothpick to tell when your meat is done. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still difficult to, it's, it's easy to explain, but the only way you really grasp it is by actually going through the process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so what was that sort of time frame between that, that first competition and the world championship? Are we talking like six, seven years? Was it a, like a, it a was, long uh, build? Ten, almost, it was almost 10 years. I think it was nine years. Wow. That's commitment. That's a lot of work to go into the competition scene there. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot. A lot of miles, a lot of diesel fuel, a lot of meat, you know, a lot of hangovers. <laughs> so. Now, most recently you, um, you won the World Steak Championship. Tell us about that. Um, that, was, uh, that one was, I was taken back by that. That one, uh, there were some of the best cooks then. I, there was, uh, I can't remember exactly how many teams, 140 teams or something like that. And we was, we was actually at Billy Bob's in, uh, in Dallas or Fort Worth, wherever it is. They all run together down there. Um, <laughs> and just winning it there was just surreal. Like it was, I remember like it was yesterday. Like, uh, I, I've told this story before, but, um, there was three of us cooking together and, uh, three of my buddies and, uh, one of them got called for seventh place. And the, the other one looked over, over to me, John got seventh and Woody looked over to me and he, he said, you know, we're never going to hear the end of this. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, and then when they got to, to uh, second place, they called Woody's number and Woody went up on stage and then John looked over to me 
And it, it, it is crazy because he said this exact same thing. He goes, <laughs> you know, Cosmo, you know, Cosmo, we're never going to hear the end of this. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I thought, man, I was just, you know, back of the line that day. And then they called my number. And I just, st- I, I just remember just standing there. And, and they called the number again. And I just stood there. And I leaned over to uh, one of my other buddies, Anthony, and, uh, and he looked at me. And I just I looked at him and I said, I just won the sucker. And then I started walking up to the stage and then it just like the whole crowd went crazy because they knew that was my very first year competing in state. Oh, wow. And it was actually on accident. I was actually going to a barbecue event and they, they, they kept telling me they were full, but you know, anybody that goes to a barbecue event knows, you know, that they say they're full, they're full, they're full. And then, you know, it, Evident, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't fail. Somebody can't make it. So I went and they said, no, we're full. So my buddy John just, uh, he, he told me, he's like, hey, they're cooking steak right down the street. I'm like, we don't have any steaks. He's like, no, they supply them. So we drove another 40, 40 miles up the road and uh, <laughs> where they were cooking steak and there was nobody there. It was actually a Votech parking lot. Um, so we just pitched a tent. You know, we was in my camper, actually, my little barbecue trailer. And uh, we stayed the night and got up about six the next morning. No one's there. Parking lot's empty. And I was like, what the heck, man? So I thought, I thought you know, no big deal. So we, you know, kind of hung out a little bit. And then, boom, about eight o'clock, like, 50 teams just rained down on this place. <laughs> um, so that was my very first state competition. And, and I was hooked. I was hooked on that from, from the absolute beginning. Right. And, and you ended up uh, winning the world championship at that competition. That's phenomenal. And I guess that your two mates have never heard the end of it since. No, it was just, uh, it was crazy, man. It was crazy, but a lot of fun, man. We had a lot of fun that year. Oh, I, I don't doubt that for a second. Now, two, two more things that I just wanted to, to quickly cover before you jump into the next segment is you have your huge YouTube channel that we started to talk about before, which is doing great things, amazing things. And you've also got a new Cosmo Unfiltered show. So give us a bit of a chat about, um, <laughs> about what you're doing in the world of barbecue media. So in, in the barbecue community, I took a, a brief hiatus I say brief. It was about a year hiatus from YouTube. It was just, you know, it, it was, and a lot of people don't even know that because they just, they just kept watching the old videos. <laughs> um, so we took some time off just, you know, just to reset, rethink and, you know, reload and then re-engage. Um, but as far as the unfiltered podcast, that one's a little bit different. That one's not really barbecue related as much as it is business and just life in general. So we started a new podcast, Cosmo Unfiltered, and that's where I just give, um, you know, life lessons. My dad used to always tell me when I was little, you don't want to listen, life will teach you the hard way. And I was all about learning lessons the hard way. (laughs) So I learned a lot of lessons 
uh, over my life. So this is kind of my chance just to give back freely. And it's, you know, it's 100% free. We don't run ads. We don't do sponsorships. We don't do any of that on the channel. It's just 100% free. I, I did check out a couple of them over on Instagram. You got some of the images up and all that sort of stuff to, uh, to promote it. It looks really good. The, the photography of, of, of like you in the studio there. And, uh, it's very, very well done. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's Wes. That's not me. That's Wes. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So there you are, folks. Make sure you do get over there and check out, uh, check out Cosmo's YouTube channel and his unfiltered show. Cosmo, we're just going to take a short break and we'll be back in a moment. In our busy modern lives, there are some things we need more of. More time, more money, more fun with friends and family, and of course, more delicious food. Here at Smoking Hot Confessions, we believe all this can be done through barbecue. Join us at Barbicon, the online barbecue bonanza, cooking up two huge days of events, entertainment and opportunities with some of the biggest names in the Australian barbecue industry and an international special guest or two. Barbicon is the online barbecue festival that brings Australia's best barbecue pitmasters and business owners live into the lounge rooms of barbecue lovers everywhere. Through demonstrations and presentations, these pros hold nothing back to ensure that you get more from your barbecue. Day one is all about cooking barbecue, where you'll learn tips, tricks, and treats from the best in the industry. Day two covers the business of barbecue, where our guests share their stories, advice, and strategies about going pro. So if you're up for some thrilling grilling, head on over to barbicon.eventbrite.com.au to secure your tickets. We also have some great side dishes for our ticket buyers. Not only will you see the best barbecue pitmasters and business owners live in your lounge room, you'll also receive a 12-month membership to the Barbicon Library where the Barbicon presentations will be available after the event, a digital swag bag full of goodies from our partners and presenters, and VIP tickets only will receive an invite to an exclusive happy hour chat with our presenters on the Saturday and Sunday evenings. So check out the ticket options and we look forward to seeing you at Barbicon. It's going to be smoking hot. Alrighty, Cosmo. So um, I we're going to sort of dive into the business side of of Cosmo's Q now. We've we've talked about the the competition side. Is it fair to say that the business side of the operation was was born out of spite, just from reading the different stories that you've told over the years? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Can yeah. you uh, can you give us a summary of that uh, of of that story that sort of inspired you and kicked off this whole business odyssey? I remember I was at a competition once, and I was I, I was not in the business. I was I would you know sell some rubs or something like that, but it was it was it wasn't a business. Um, and I remember I was using uh, another company's injection, and it it just is like it didn't taste good to be honest it just to me it didn't taste good i mean but i knew other people were having success with it and so i went up to the owner and i'm assuming he was having a bad day at the time i didn't know this um and i still don't know it but i'm I'm just assuming just because i know the guy and actually he's a phenomenal human being like i mean just great human now 
or, you know, I, I think the world of him now, but at the time it was just, it, you know, it, it, anyways, I walked up to him and I was like, Hey man, I'm having a little trouble with this. And, you know, is there any kind of tips or t- tricks you can give me? And, um, he said to me, he said, yeah, read the instructions. And then he Ooh. shut his door. <laughs> and I was just floored. Uh, like, uh, like embarrassed, floored, like I just, and I remember walking away and I was like, I will, if I had a company, I would never, ever treat my customers like that. And then, um, I, like I, you know, we talked about earlier, I was in the hazardous waste industry. So we also, you know, have, uh, scientists, you know. I didn't understand the difference between a, you know, a chemical or, you know, uh, whatever they call them in the, you know, a, a, a bioscientist versus a food scientist, but they did. So I, you know, I started asking them and one thing led to another and I found a company that, uh, um, was willing to work with me. And, uh, so I made my own injection and I made it taste how I wanted it to taste which is I don't want, I I wanted all the properties, all the enhancements, but I didn't want it to be the predominant flavor. The meat should speak for itself. This should be just something that sits in the background that no one really knows it's in there, but they don't know why that, you know, cut of meat brisket in this uh, instance tasted so freaking good. So I made my own. And I, I just remember, you know, after I made it, it took probably about eight months and, um, I ordered my first batch, which I put on a credit card, which was absolutely insane, but I didn't care. Like I, I did not care. And I was just like, I, I got to sell this stuff. So I, I start. I was going to competitions already and I was passing it out in little, you know, little one shot bags. So all you had to do is just mix that baggie and rock and roll. And I'll never forget. Uh, it, it was just, when I hit a roadblock, I don't stop. I keep working the problem until I get to the solution that I am okay with. But I heard somebody, I heard that a guy, when I turned around and walked off, he dumped it on the ground and said, I'll never use that. And Is I was that like, the same guy or a different guy? No, completely different guy. Completely different Oh, right. Oh, okay. okay. And, I was, and I was like, when I heard that inside my head, I thought, oh, you will use it. <laughs> now you will use it. Fantastic. <laughs> Funny story. Uh, about a year and a half later, he, uh, he come up to me at a competition and wanted me to give him a bag. And I absolutely would not give him a bag. And I charged him full retail price for it. Whereas everybody else at that time, I would just keep a bunch of my trailer and, you know, charge him whatever. Now you're paying full price, full price. Um, but yeah, that's how I got started. And I, uh, when I first launched, I only started with two products, uh, uh, brisket injection and pork injection. And then I thought, well, man, these guys are making, you know, these injections for me. I wonder if they can make these rubs that I've been making. 
which is my dirty bird and my cow cover now, which still to, to this day, a lot of people don't know. Um, a lot of companies that have their own rubs or sauces, injections or whatever, they're not, that's not their recipe. They just put their name on a recipe. Okay. And, and, and if that's how, I, you know, that's, that's how you do it. I don't care. That's not how I did it then. I had my recipes and then we had to convert my recipes from small batch to large batch. And um, we just kept working the problem and we got them to where, you know, they wanted to be. And that's why our rubs are just so different than most anything you can find on the market. because you know, normally you don't put this many high quality inject or high quality ingredients into a rub and then sell it for, you know, what the rub market dictates. And my thought was, is I don't, I don't care what the rub market dictates, you know, these are worth it. Take them or don't. I've, you know, I don't care. In a competition scene, if you don't run them, I need you to know that I am. And that's where we got the uh, the tagline, it just wins. Um, because I went to a competition and people were so upset with me at the time that there was only uh, two people that would talk to me at this competition, Donnie Teal and Scott Key. That was it. No one else would speak to me because how dare I come out with an injection? Who do I think I am? So I was like, okay, you know, I set it rock bottom for a while and then I started winning. I started getting my name called. And then next thing you know, I'm getting my name called in one category and then two categories and then three and then all, all four categories. Usually when Cosmo showed up, somebody went, damn, <laughs> you know, nice. Excuse my language. So, um, no, no. So I had the idea. Um, I always stood in the back with my buddy Donnie. And it was just, it was something he did. And it was something that, you know, he allowed me to stand with him, which usually he stands by himself. So I stood with Donnie. And uh, as, I, as I started getting my name called more and more, I thought, I'm just going to put hashtag, hashtags just came out then. I'm going to put hashtag it just wins on the back of my shirt. So when I'm walking to the front, everybody that doubted me sees that I'm walking to the front. And th that's where that came from. That was a lot yeah. of spite too. I, I had a lot of <laughs> anger in me. Or, you know, so. Motivation, my friend, motivation. I, um, I once did a master's degree out of spite. Someone told me I wasn't qualified <laughs> enough to have a someone told me I wasn't qualified enough to have a job that I really wanted. So I went and did a master's degree just to prove them wrong. So okay. that's awesome, man. I love it. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, okay. So you, you put those recipes together, um, your, your recipes together with food scientists to come up with something that was scalable. Mm -hmm. um, you used those products in competitions. You had your hashtag on your back. What what year roughly was that that you started to see those wins and get all those walk-ups with that hashtag on your back? That was probably 2011. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, around 2011. 
Yeah, 10, 11 years ago. Okay. And then you moved into a food truck. Now, I was talking with um, with Brandon from Jazzy Bees there a little while ago mm-hmm. about um, about him growing his food truck business just next door in, uh, in Can- like around Kansas there. And he said it was really tough for him because food trucks weren't really sort of a, a, a big thing in that in that part of the, the country. How was it for you? It was, it was, it was extremely difficult. It was extremely difficult, but I, I, I believed in it. I quit my job and I was doing Cosmos full time, but I, I was like, you know, I, I was just always one of those guys. I got to have more than one income. I can't rely. I, I just can't rely on, you know, putting all my eggs in one basket. And I've been that way pretty much my whole life. I've had two jobs, sometimes three jobs, you know, just to keep that income coming in. And uh, so I did that and it was, it was extremely tough. And it, we were blessed enough to uh, be um, voted as the number two food truck in the country that year. Wow. Cause I only did it one year. Most people don't know. I only did it one year. Really? So in one year we went from a brand new operation to number two food truck in the country that year. And that, that, that is even with all the food trucks that were going on in California. Yeah, so, right. Uh, man, I really hung my hat on that. That was, that was awesome. And then at the end of the year, I'm very much a data person. Like, you know, trust in God, all else bring data. <laughs> and that's just how I am, you know? Yep. Um, and I remember looking at the data and I was like, oh my gosh, the food truck, as busy as it was for that year, it only brought in 20% of the revenue, yet it sucked up about 90, 80, 90, you know, it, if I was, you know, really running the numbers, I'd probably, it would probably be even way worse, probably 95% of my time. And I thought to myself, this is not wise. Imagine if I took 80% of my time and focused it on the thing that's driving 80% of the revenue. And like, I was actually sitting in this room. Actually, I was sitting right here um, when those numbers came up. And I remember calling, I had one one part-time employee. And I said, uh, hey, what do you think about selling the food truck? And he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah. He goes, is my pay going to change? I was like, no. As long as you, as long as you dedicate, you know, your hard work, your time and your effort and you show ambition and drive, I'll keep your pay the same. And he goes, done. When? And I said, now. And he, he didn't live that far from me. Probably 15 minutes down the road, 10 minutes down the road. And he was here within 15 minutes and we unloaded that whole truck and it was gone in two weeks. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a quick turnaround. Like once you make up your mind, that's it. It's, it's done. Yep. Interesting. The data, the, the data spoke and I knew the longer I left that decision inactive, the longer I prolonged the success that I believed we could achieve. Mm, 
Mm. And speaking of that success, I mean, you've you you mentioned before that you spent your last five hundred dollars uh, on your last credit card, and you were working out of a linen closet, and you've grown it now into a fifty million dollar US dollar a year business. Mm-hmm. What's that overall journey? been like the the growth the expansion the <laughs> the 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 growing pains the challenges the wins the losses you know it's it, that's so funny it's and, and people think oh my gosh you had to have some knowledge or nothing or something or a mentor or something like no yeah i mean and and i'm very vocal about this on our podcast i'm a high school dropout okay wow from a poor family that didn't get taught anything about money. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, at a certain point in life, not too long ago, I really thought I I wasn't allowed to be successful because of who I was and where I came from and the labels that society put on me. And I was like, that's not true. That's what everyone else says. And if I was really being truthful, no one's actually said that to me. That's just what I believe that other people say about me when I'm not around. So therefore, are they saying that about me or am I saying that about me? And I came to the conclusion, the biggest enemy I have stares me in the face every morning when I brush my teeth. Mm. And I was like, that's not going to happen. There's no one that dictates the success or the outcome of my life other than me. So for me, it was, it, it, I never set off with the intentions of, you know, becoming a millionaire or doing this or doing that or being on this show or, or speaking here. You know, I never set out with that. I just said, I'm going to wake up today and be better than I was yesterday. And when I change my focus from, I just want to make money to, I just want to be free and happy. And I want to have my finances on lock. Not, I don't, not, I I need to make the most money, but I just want to have my finance. I want to be financially sound. When I changed my thought to that, everything changed. Everything changed. And how do you go about changing that thinking? Is there like a morning mantra? Do you wake up at 4.30 a.m. and go for a walk and watch the sunrise and listen to a tape on headphones? Like how does, how, how do you make those changes? For me, it was, it was getting real with myself and taking accountability for the actions and the decisions that put me in the places and the circumstances that I found myself in. So when I said, okay, I get it. You're probably not the most popular person to somebody. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, it's shocking how if I make a post and a hundred people comment and only one of them is negative, I focused all my time and attention on that one negative person rather than the 99 that are positive. Why, Mm. why would you do that? And it's because I think as society at large, you know, we just focus on the negative. 
rather than focus on the positive. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to stop doing that. And I still struggle with that. I think everybody does, right? It's, it's really easy to say, oh, I, you know, I did this and meditated and, you know, did a cold plunge and I was, you know, I was free, you know, and that's not true. You still wake up every day. But the one thing that I realized about myself is I was never good at being grateful for the things I had. Mm. And once I started understanding that, like it can be taken away in a moment. I'm actually getting ready. No one knows this. I'm going to do a podcast on it. Um, and it all goes back to when I was on Sunday evening, I hated my job so much that I would physically get sick. Like I would physically want to puke. And now I realize that, you know, the days of the week mean nothing to me. Sunday is as relevant as Thursday is as relevant as Friday or Saturday. And I lived for the weekend. I hated the week. And if I spoke negative to myself five of seven days, what position was I putting myself in? So when I learned to change that, all I said to myself is, all you got to do is wake up today and just be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Push a little bit harder, call one more number, knock on one more door, ship out one more order, and, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's the, I think Warren Buffett said it the best. He said, no one is interested in getting rich slow. Hmm. And I'm like, if, if, the, if, if, you, if that's your thing, if your thing is you want to get rich or you want to get a master's degree, you, I mean, you know this, you, you, you couldn't go in and take a class in one day. You had to go take that, that class every day. And then when you got done with that course, you had to take another course and you had to, you just break it down in bits and you don't eat a steak one bite. You know, you don't put stuff, the whole steak in your mouth, you cut it up and you take small bites. That's why it takes, you know, three minutes to eat a steak. I don't know how long it takes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when I understood that, okay, what if I just focus on the plan rather than the end goal, create the journey and break it down into steps and then just, just knock that step out each and every day. Beautiful. Well said. My, uh, my father, one of his favorite dad jokes was always, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I heard a quote from, I think it was Mark Twain. He said, if your job is to eat a frog in a day, I suggest you do it early. <laughs> and then he said, nice. if your job's to eat, if your job's to eat two frogs, I suggest you start with the big one first. <laughs> <laughs> good advice. Good advice. Look, we're going to take a small break and we'll be back in just a moment. 
Hey folks, winter is just around the corner and it's time to get warm. So we have got you covered. We've got our hoodies, we've got our beanies. If you're like me, you live in Queensland, it's getting almost time to change from singlets to a t-shirt. So we've got some t-shirts available there as well. They all feature Hail Mary, our winning design there, won uh, Best Barbecue Apparel at uh, NBBQA 2020. So make sure you head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com shop and check them out. They are great stuff. You'd be supporting the show and we would love you forever. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Cosmo, this is the third segment of the show. This is the part of the show where our guests get to uh, give a short lesson, share some wisdom with the with the, uh, the the viewers and the listeners. So I'm going to throw it over to you. I've just got a pen here. I'm going to take a couple of notes and soak up the wisdom. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I don't know where you want to start. Look, you could talk us through how you cook a particular protein. It could be, uh, you know, uh, steps to go from mixing a recipe in your in your kitchen to getting it into a big box store. It could be could be anything. Could be business related, mindset related, uh, nuts and bolts, cooking, anything you like. Okay, no, no, this this is a great one. Um, I remember the very first time I try to cook a brisket it was absolutely atrocious and I, I i couldn't understand why and then when it clicked in my head and even to this day people walk in the store and they'll go oh my gosh i'm just gonna do chicken or something like that and i'm like how come you don't try a brisket oh yeah i screw them up man every time i screw them up and i'm like man it's really not that hard i just need you to think about it like this whatever temperature you're cooking at if it's 225, bump it up to 275. Just jump 50 degrees. If you're 300, don't jump 50 degrees. Just stay at 300. <laughs> but I said, if you, if you run it at 275, and all I want you to do is just get that perfect color on there that you think it is. Whatever you've seen, the best brisket you have ever had, just get the color and then wrap it. And then wrap it with this brisket mop that we sell, um, which is long story. That is our, uh, actual competition blend, but we broke it down into uh, concentrate form so you can mix it with, uh, uh, au or consomme. But I said, I just want you to wrap it in this and then seal it up. And then when you can put your thermopin or whatever probe that's in there and you can pull it out very like you don't have to squeeze it very hard but very lightly with two fingers shut the lid and don't look at it for 30 more minutes and then when 30 minutes are up pull it out open the end let it let all the steam come out and then wrap it back up and if you have a cooler set it in a cooler and throw a towel over it and let it set there for at least an hour. That is the easiest way you'll ever cook brisket in your life, ever. And they're like, "What? If, well, what if it? You know, what if it's tough?" I'm like, oh, "Well, if it's tough, just chop it up into pulled brisket or chopped brisket." They're like, "But what if people don't like that?" And I'm like, "That's ah, free food. People love free food." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, believe you me, they're going to like that way more than they would like tough brisket. And they said, well, what if, it, what if it's overdone? I was like, well, that's easy, man. Chop it up <laughs> and serve it to them like that. And they're like, 
what, what do you mean? If you just told me to chop it up if, if it's not done enough. I was like, well, that's the genius of it. Either way, if it's not in that, that little sweet pocket, chop it up. If it's, if it's too tough, chop it up. If it's, if it's overdone, chop it up. <laughs> Cause that's really what's going to happen when you try to slice it anyways, it's just going to fall apart. Um, and, uh, it, that is one of the easiest, I think brisket is absolutely one of the easiest cuts of meat to cook. Absolutely. Now, um, this is one I get quite a bit and I, we've actually done a video on it. Um, people in competition try to, they use our moisture magic in conjunction with our injections. And they say, Hey, when I, when I mix this up, it, 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 it turns into a rock, the moisture magic. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how you know it's good. That's how you, and they're like, well, you can't inject rocks in the meat. And I'm like, that's true. So do this, take the moisture magic and mix it with the powder and then mix the powders up before you add your liquid. And they're like, okay, but how is that going to make it different? I'm like, well, you're separating the granules because that's what a tripolyphosphate does. When it hits liquid, it needs to grab something. Just like a, 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 I call it my little moisture robot. When you inject it into the meat, it will grab the protein and then grab the moisture. And that's what locks it in there. Ah. And, when, and when you mix it with the injection that you're going to inject in there, it puts distance between those so it has nothing to realistically grab onto until it gets into the meat. And that's when it grabs that protein. Ah, there you go. I've never actually had it explained that way. That's great. Thank you very much. I, uh, I, I can understand that now. Well, thank you, man. And uh, all chicken wings can go to two, uh, 200 degrees. <laughs> yeah. I always get people ask me, well, how do, I, how do I keep from getting rubbery skin? I'm like, well, cook it to 200. And they're like, isn't that overdone? I'm like, yeah, but is it? Is it really? What, like, what, do you want rubbery skin? Because I can cook chicken wings in a microwave in three and a half minutes, and it's not going to be good at all. No. Just run it to 200. Run it to 200 and let the, uh, let the wing sauce or the wing dust do the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great advice there. Look, I know you're a busy man. I know that you've got another appointment coming up immediately after here. So I'm going to say thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm going to get you to give some shout outs and some praise and some thank you to people that have helped you out along the way and tell everybody where they can track you down on the socials. On the socials, you can find us at Cosmos Q, or if you like to listen to our podcast, you can find us at Cosmo Unfiltered. Um, if you like anything on there, make sure to tag us at Cosmo Unfiltered. Share it with a friend. Like I said, we don't charge anybody. For the shout outs, I want to thank my entire team for the amazing work that they do. We run super lean because that's what we believe in, and they absolutely knock it out of the park. Every single one of them, there's no way I could be here without them. They are the real heroes in this whole thing. So I, I want to say thank you to them. And I want to say thank you to you, Ben, for allowing us to come on this show and spend some time with us. I know the time differences uh, between you and I are <laughs> uh, 12 hours almost. So thank you very much. And I sure do appreciate it. 
Mate, right back at you. It's been a real treat for us to have you on. Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you again next time I'm in the States. Yes, sir. Have a wonderful day. You too. And a good Easter too. Have a good Easter. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you so much. All right, family, there you have it. The one and only Darian Kosravi, a.k.a. Cosmo from Cosmos Q. What a treat. It's not often that we get uh, such a privilege to have such a huge, huge name in barbecue come on the show. And what a story. He's last 500 bucks on his last good credit card and has managed to grow that to a 50 million US dollar a year business. That is so inspiring and just a fantastic story. And I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to, uh, to help Cosmo share his story with you. Alrighty, so that is a wrap for today. Remember, Barbicon is coming. Keep an eye on the socials and the website. And if you'd love to help out the show, we'd love to clothe you. So we've got our t-shirts, our hoodies, beanies. We've got our tumblers, all that good stuff. There's a couple of ebooks over there, if that's your thing. Uh, the Bacon Manifesto's over there. 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. That's over there as well. So head on over there, check them out. Jump on the mailing list if you'd like to be uh, kept up to date on exactly when those tickets are going to be available to Barbicon because we'll be emailing, we'll be hitting the email list first of all. All right, now that is it. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to say until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.